Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We are going to be doing our second and final message in our discipleship sermon series. So Ben gave us an awesome foundation, really laid out the the why of discipleship, the who and the what. It really laid the foundation for us. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to try to get even more practical. We're going to get more handles on it because the thing is about something big like discipleship is that there's probably a thousand ideas in the room right now what that word means. So we got to bring that down and we got to get some handles because we got to get boots on the ground. We actually have to go to work tomorrow morning. We actually have to take care of our kids. We have to pay bills. And yet, Jesus put this big mandate on us to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. So how do we work this out? So to make a big concept like that a bit more practical, we oftentimes, we need a, we need a role model. We need an example. And we need, we need a hero. So we're going to talk about heroes today. And the reason is because a hero is somebody who embodies uh, uh, some type of skill or value or vision that that we want to embody, right? If you want to be a great golfer, you might look towards a great golfer and practice how they practice or do the things that they do. That's a hero to you. So we're going to be talking about heroes. So here's a couple of of my heroes when I was a boy. So first, you know, I wanted to be a professional basketball player when I grew up. And in fact, was quite convinced that I wouldn't be, really. And um, like that, yeah. So, and then I'm not, uh, but uh, in case you wondered. So here's a picture, I think, of me. This is eight, eight-year-old James at, at my eighth birthday party there and got that supersonic shirt on. I grew up in Seattle. So for the younger generation... Uh, the Supersonics were a basketball team in Seattle that moved to Oklahoma City, and I have received prayer ministry about that, uh, about having, you know, I'm really quite bitter still, honestly. But, um, all right, so the Supersonics, they were my team. And I had two guys that in particular, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Anybody know these guys? You remember? Come on. Sean Kemp could throw it down. So I would, you know, I, they were my heroes because I, I, wanted, I wanted skills like they had. They, so they possessed a skill that I wanted. So I would want to try to be like them. And so out in my driveway as little 8-year-old, 9-year-old, 10-year-old James, not 15-year-old, come on now, don't do that. The old little boy James, come on. So I would imagine it's the seventh, seventh game of the NBA Finals. You know what I'm talking, you guys have been there. And I was, and Gary Payton is going down the court and there's 10 seconds left on the clock and we're down by three. We're down by two. And so Gary Payton, he passes over to Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp grabs the ball. He can't get open. So he passes it to Albright. Albright gets it out there on the perimeter and oh, oh, 10, three, two. Oh, and he gets the shot off and he scores and they're champions. Thanks to Albright. Right? This is a champion of my own driveway. All right, so another hero of mine is my dad. He still is, was and still is. And my dad would always 
put us first as family. Here's my dad and I hiking in the mountains of Washington State. And um, we would, I just remember countless times going to sporting events or going on hikes and going camping and doing things together. Just the two of us or all of us together as a family. And, you know, many times I remember him cheering me on, whether it was basketball or band or whatever else I was doing, he was there cheering me on. He would become interested in whatever I became interested in, just so that we had stuff to talk about. And, uh, you know, so he taught me how to work hard, how to value productivity in my day, how to have fun and value my family, manage finances, and I could just go on and on and on. He was a walking example of what it meant to be a man of integrity and character. And I needed that. I needed that picture in my life. We all need those heroes in our life. So the thing about heroes is that they put meat on the bones. They, we have some type of dream or ideal or vision, and we've got to have some type of meat on the bones. We don't know how to, how to actually put this down into action. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So shifting into today's topic of discipleship, I want to introduce you to another one of my heroes by the name of Barnabas. Now Barnabas is a guy that you can catch up with in the book of Acts, and he has just a few verses written about him, but he had an incredible impact. So, um, you know, today we're going to walk through different parts of his life as a model for us, as a hero, giving us, as, giving us an example of how to walk out this life of disciple-making right here in Fort Worth. Okay? But even as I say that, I know I just want to recognize that there's tension in this, in that when you take a, a biblical character like this and you try to pull it down into our world 2,000 years later, there can be tension there, right? I don't really know what Barnabas' life was like. I don't know what he had to do in a day, but I do know that all of us in this room have a lot of stuff going on. We have a lot happening. So there might be this tension where we're going, man, I want to, but I don't have enough time. I don't know what I can give up. There's a lot going on. Or you might have this thing in your head like Barnabas was probably discipled by one of the apostles. And he had a lot to give. I don't know if I have anything to give. I don't know that I'm mature enough to give this away. There's a lot of different objections that you might come up with in your mind, but no matter where we're at today, every single person in this room, whether you have been discipling people and walking with people in that way for years and years and years, or you have never done it once, or somewhere in between, that every single one of us would take a step forward today. What if we all took a step forward? Just imagine that as a church. What if Antioch Fort Worth, in this sermon series, in these last couple of weeks, just we took a step forward even deeper into this vision that he has called us to? Wouldn't it be incredible? So that's my prayer for us today. So here's the main thing. God has invited us, empowered us, and equipped us to be a disciple-making people, starting right here in our city and multiplying everywhere. All right, so let's pray. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit here as we open up the Word of God. Let's bow with me. So Father, we are so thankful for your presence. And we thank you, God, that you called us to, to partner together with you. And so, Lord, we pray right now that for every single one of us, we would walk out of this room with a step forward. We would walk out of this room 
seen more clearly the vision that you've put in front of us about being this people who are receiving your love and then able to give it away to others. So God, would you just put that in us? Holy Spirit, have your way. We pray that every single one of us would hear your voice today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So today we're going to be unpacking lessons out of the life of Barnabas about how to be a disciple maker. So those the two lessons, I'm going to give you the outline already. I'm going to give you the answers. Look at that. So a disciple maker is number one, passionate about Jesus. Disciple maker is passionate about Jesus and passionate about the growth of others. So let's start with this first point. A disciple maker is passionate about Jesus. So if you guys would open up with me to Acts chapter 4, verses 36 through 37. We're going to read together, going to look at a couple of blips here in Barnabas' life. This is the first time that we get introduced to him. Acts 4, 36. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Wow. Okay, so this is one of those verses that we've heard before, and we're going to hear it with fresh ears today. We're going to try to dig in a little bit. So we find out just a couple of things from this, from these couple of verses. One, that his name was Joseph. His name wasn't actually Barnabas. His name was Joseph. And Joseph had a nickname that the apostles had given him. It was the son of encouragement. So this is post-Pentecost. There's thousands of believers in the city of Jerusalem. And he gets a nickname from the apostles. This guy, this guy must have had something happening there because he stood out to the, to the apostles. He stood out to them. So we're going to learn more and more about that. But they called him the son of encouragement. You know, I always wanted a nickname, but I, I don't think I had ever had a really good one. So I get a couple of names called me, you know, every now and again, but uh, they're not always real encouraging. So, all right. So we find out then as well that he is a generous man with a soft heart towards God. And I would just, let's just emphasize that he's a soft heart towards God, because I want you to enter into this. We read it real fast. He sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Okay, so he had a piece of real estate that was probably passed down to him in some way. It was some type of inheritance, some type of future for him, and he sold it. So in today's terms, if we had a piece of real estate, that would be tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands. It's a lot of money. Whatever it was, it was a big gift. And he took that, and in this humble posture, put it at their feet. It was a very humbling, passionate moment. And you're just going, what's going on in Barnabas that he would want to do something like that? You know, I remember a time in college, though, it kind of reminded me of when I was, when I was giving myself to Jesus. He, I'd had this powerful encounter with him, and I was just giving myself wholeheartedly to him. And I just wanted nothing of the world, and I wanted only, only Jesus. And I took all my old CDs and tapes, and which just time out. So CD is this round thing. It's shiny. 
and you'd put it in a CD player. This is for you guys. So, and you put it in there and it, and it plays music and stuff, you know, but only a set amount of songs, not like endless, like now. So like 10 to 50, I know, crazy. So, and I'm not even going to go into the tape because that's just weird. So we're, so we'd take all these CDs and tapes and I, and I sold them at this record shop and I just, I don't want anything of this old way of life. I only want Jesus. And it was kind of this passionate thing of just like, ah, you know, I only want Jesus. I only want him. And I kind of imagine Barnabas like this, just coming humbly before the apostles and giving them this money and saying, I'm hungry for God. I don't want anything of this world. I only want Jesus. So here, here's my future. Literally. I don't have anything else. Here's my future. I put it all in Jesus. He valued investing in kingdom over investing in his own future. His foundation was set. And here's what I want to really get at. His foundation was set as it relates to a passion for Jesus. And this is, I mean, it, this is the first time we see him. So we're the first picture that we get of Barnabas is that his, he is a passionate lover of Jesus, so passionate that he would give away this large amount of money and that kind of passionate exchange. So a disciple maker is one whose foundation is set, whose affections are purely and wholly set on Jesus. So why is this so important when this topic of discipleship? Well, it's because that as we set our foundation on Jesus, and we get to and we get we're getting up close to him. And when we do that, we start to hear his heartbeat, and his heartbeat is for people. That's what his heart is beating for. It's all about people. He wants to give it away. So this leads us right into our second point. A disciple maker is passionate about the growth of others. So we're going to open back up to the book of Acts and and catch up with Barnabas here. So we're we're going to open up to Acts chapter 9 and see what old Barney's up to. He had another nickname, I guess. Nine, chapter twenty, uh, verse twenty-six through twenty-eight. All right. So the backstory to these verses here is: this is a famous passage here of Saul's conversion. So Saul, who became Paul, was one of the great missionaries of the church. But first, he was a persecutor of the church, as many of you know. And on his way to Damascus, he had this powerful encounter where he was just knocked off his donkey and uh, you guys thought I was going to say something else he was knocked off his donkey guys and then so God then sent and he just had this powerful encounter with him and gave himself to Jesus and then Ananias came along and and they baptized him and then he started preaching in the synagogues of Damascus okay and they he stirred up such a ruckus there in Damascus that they wanted to kill him I mean it was within days they wanted to kill him poor guy And so he escapes off to Jerusalem. And this is where we pick up this passage. Acts chapter 9, 26 through 28. So let's read that together. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. This is Saul that they're talking about. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. 
So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. So again, we see this passage where where Saul has surrendered himself to Jesus, but the church leaders, and he's like, hey, I'm converted, I'm good, I'm, I'm one of you. And they're like, no, 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 get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. We're scared of you. But then one man came along and stuck his hand up and said, I'll vouch for him. I'll vouch for him. And it's our hero. It's Barnabas. One man. Can you imagine the pivot point for Saul? I mean, just put yourself in his shoes. That was quite a pivot point, and he was probably he was quite vulnerable. He didn't have anybody pitching for him. All his old life was behind him at this point. He had no advocates, but then Barnabas stands up and is an advocate for him. He saw the potential in him. He heard his testimony, heard his story, and he said, hey, I'm going to call out the destiny in you. I see that you have a future. You are a leader in this church, and we're going to walk together. And it says there in verse uh, 28 that he stayed with them. There was some life-on-life discipleship happening there in that verse, don't you think? They were spending time together. They were logging hours. This is important. So Barnabas didn't stop there with this investment into Saul. So we're going to go on now to Acts 11. You guys good? We're running through Acts? All right. Here we go. Acts chapter, chapter 11. So this is one of our favorite passages here. So in this chapter, the church in Antioch is growing. And this is all growing with Gentile believers. And so the, the Jewish believers in Jerusalem are like, hey, Barnabas, go check that out and just see what's going on and give us a report. So they sent Barnabas up. And when he gets there, it says in verse 23 that he observed the grace of the Lord was on this place. So there was, he was seeing that God was here, God was doing something, and he wanted to stay and invest in it. So what did he do? So let's pick it up here in verse 25. Chapter 11, verse 25. It says, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul because Saul had gone from Jerusalem back to his hometown. I think there's something there about the restoration of some old relationships that he was walking through as a part of this discipleship process. So Saul goes back to Tarsus and Barnabas goes to Tarsus to get him. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Amen. So in this passage, we see that Barnabas wanted to invest and build in this church in in Antioch. And so he went and he got Saul. And he said, I want to get my brother here that we ministered together in Jerusalem, but I discipled him in Jerusalem. And I'm going to pull him alongside and let, let him see how I do things here as well. But again, because I see potential in him. I see future in him. I see that there's more for this brother. And so he brings him along as he ministers to the church at Antioch. A disciple maker brings their disciples along with them as they go. They bring them along as they go, as they invest in others. But one of the things Laura and I love to do is we love to invite others that we're, that we're investing in in a season. We love to have them over to our house. And so we might have like a couple of nights in a month or something like that or a few nights where we'll say, just come on over if you'd like, and they'll come over, and we won't do anything special. We don't cook anything special. We do everything as it's normally done. The house may or may not be picked up, 
we cook, we have food together, we, we do the dishes together, we make sure the kids get their homework done, we just do life. Maybe we play a game or something, but that's as wild and exciting as it's going to get. It's a very normal night at the Albrights. But we do that intentionally because we want them to see what it's like for us, for how Laura and I communicate, how we parent with the kids, how we run the house, what we do on a day-in, day-out basis. And we know that in that, they're picking up stuff that we don't even realize. And in the same way, we see that our kids are watching us as we do that because they're seeing us open our home up, be hospitable, and disciple others, invest in others. And that's a great way of discipleship, just in the everyday flow of life as we go. So my question is, who are we making space for in our lives? Who can we make space for if we're not already? Who can we invest in? Who can we bring along with us as we go? All right, so disciple makers are passionate about the growth of others. So now let's go ahead and we're going to finish the story here of, of our discipleship hero, Barnabas. So in Acts chapter 13, we see the results of him, of Barnabas investing in Saul. All right, so we're not going to read it in detail here, but this is a passage you guys may know where they're gathered together, praying together as a church in Antioch, and it, the Holy Spirit says to them, set aside for me Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. So the results of us investing in others, the result of Barnabas investing in Saul was that he was released into his calling. The result of us investing in others is that we're released into our calling and they are released into their calling. Isn't that good? So we want that. And the interesting thing is that, you know, these guys, when you read Acts, you notice that at this point, it's a pivot point in the story because at, first, at this point, Barnabas has been the lead character. But now Paul becomes the lead character, right? He, it's so Paul went far beyond what his discipler even invested in him. He went and grew even more. And this is, you know, this is what we want though, isn't it? We want this from our disciples. I want my disciple, I want people that I'm investing in to go even farther than me. I would love that. I want my kids to go even farther than Laura and I. We want to invest in them and may, may our ceiling be their floor. May they build on what we have, what we have done so far. So just pause with me for a moment and imagine what would it be like if Barnabas had not invested in Saul? Now, just what would have happened? Barnabas had a few verses written about him. Paul has a big chunk of the New Testament. And yet, there's a hero behind that hero of the New Testament, isn't there? All right. So let's get this real practical here. What does this look like for us here? There's a real practical tool that we've got on the, on the Antioch Fort Worth app. So I want you to pull out your your, foot, your smartphones, if you got one, and it's okay. I know you're already checking fantasy football scores, guys, so just go ahead and publicly pull it out. And, uh, and, and I want you to tap on the Antioch Fort Worth app. If you don't already have the app, go ahead and head to your app store and download that app. So this is what that's going to look like once you get it up and going. And right here is your first page when you pull it up. And you see up there on the top right is a discipleship tab. So if you tap that, then you go to this page. 
And we have right here up at the top, Discipleship Bible Study, a DBS guide. So if you click, if you click that, then we head, then we've got this page right here, which describes what a discovery Bible study is. Now this is a tool that we utilize and we promote it. It's just a tool. It's not the only way. So if you've got a way that you love doing this, then go for it and do that. But this is a way that we want to encourage. So disciple, discovery Bible study is a tool to use for discipling relationships. The purpose is to give each person the opportunity to discover the Word of God, uh, to discover from the Word of God what the Holy Spirit is saying to them. It's just a simple and easily reproducible method and can be used with all ages and seasons of life. It walks us through, if you scroll through that page, which that's just a screenshot, so that's not going to scroll. If you scroll through that page, you're going to see three different parts where we look in, we just ask, how are we doing in a group of two or three people? How are we doing? How's it, how's your week this week? How was your walk with Jesus this week? Look up. That's an opportunity to open up the Word of God and, and to read about five to 15 passages, uh, passages, five to 15 verses. And then, yeah, that was a, that's going to be a doozy right there. So buckle down. These are eight hour discipleship lessons, baby. So we're serious. No joke. High challenge, right? So we're going to, Five to 15 verses. And you're going to walk through just a series of questions. What's it say about God? What's it say about people? How can we obey? I guarantee you, you do that in your quiet time tomorrow morning, you'll be challenged. Because when we read it and we actually get down to how can we obey, that's game time. That's serious stuff. All right? So, and then finally is look out, the last section there. And that's the time where we just go, how is, how's it going as you're investing in others, discipling others, sharing the gospel with others? How's it going? And then you pray for each other and pray for those people. It's just a simple method that we can do with any one of us can do it. Okay? Sound good? All right, guys. We are going to respond to the Lord. So if you guys would stand up in ministry and worship team. Would you guys come on? You know, Barnabas did a lot of different things in his ministry, things that we know about, things that we kind of can read into it. But, you know, he did missionary journeys. There was healings or salvations. There were preaching, teaching, all kinds of things. But what was his legacy? What was his legacy? It was that he discipled Paul. I can tell you just in my own testimony in my own story that I have spent time and 20 years of ministry doing international church planning, domestic work, teaching, preaching, big events, small events, successful things, unsuccessful things. But if I look back on it, the things that were the most rewarding were those relationships that I invested in. And I saw somebody take steps of faith and went farther and deeper into their walk with Jesus. And I just want you to imagine with me, like I said at the beginning, what if we all just took a step forward in it? There's, you know, what if we were all a Barnabas for somebody? Or multiple people? It's pretty mind-blowing when you start thinking about it. 
So I want you guys to just close your eyes because more than anything, we all just need to hear from the Lord. So if you close your eyes, just take a deep breath. Just ask this question. Father, what's my next step in being a disciple maker? What's my next step in walking this out? Just ask him. He might even bring somebody to, ne- to mind. Might even be a name, face, somebody in your life group, somebody in your street. So Holy Spirit, we just we want to be ones who obey and who do what you say, and we want to we want to walk it out, Lord, what you're telling us right now. So we ask, Lord, that you would give us grace. I thank you, Lord, that you're inviting us, Lord, that you've invited us in, that you said, "Come and partner with me." This is not just this is not a twist in our arm thing. Lord, this is something where you've invited us and we just pray God that we would walk right into everything that you've got for us. So come and have your way and move in us as a people. So no matter what your need is, church, whether it's something we talked about this morning or something that you've just come in and you just you need to pray with somebody about it. This is our opportunity. You know, don't delay, don't wait on it. Go ahead and jump on in. We want to be the church to one another. So come on up, no matter what your need is.